0: New York Mayor Bill de Blasio announces life passports for the vaccinated and bans for everyone else. And New York Attorney General Letitia James blows up New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights. Take action at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment and plenty of news there is. First, Let me remind you that there are a lot of people who are interested in your internet activity. That may include your VPN provider. Okay, The fact is that a lot of the people who say they're providing with a free VPN are actually aggregating your data. They're selling your data. Not so with ExpressVPN. I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market, and here is why. Number one, ExpressVPN, unlike those other VPNs, will not log your data. Also... They're really fast. I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many will slow your connection down, make your device sluggish. I've been using ExpressVPN for a long time. My internet speeds are blazing fast. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag. The final thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from the other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, you don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app, you click one button, and now you are connected. So, protect yourself with the VPN I use and trust it. Use my link expressvpn.com/ben today, get an extra 3 months free on a 1-year package. That's expressvpn.com/ben. Visit expressvpn.com/ben to learn more. All righty. So, Mayor Bill De Blasio has now announced the time has come. Vaccine passports. Now you knew it was coming. You know, it was only a matter of time before some blue city mayor decided, we need to check your papers. Your papers! (laughs) We need to check your papers. It's very important that we know whether you are vaccinated or not. And no, that's not a Nazi thing. Okay, there are lots of other nations that have been doing it. It's a bad idea everywhere it is, and it is violative of basic human liberty. Number one, it's going to be very difficult to check everybody's vaccine passports because, frankly, a lot of people who got the vaccine didn't receive a vaccine card. Some people's vaccine cards, like mine, got misspelled. Some people didn't bother to get a vaccine card or they got, or they got the first vaccine somewhere in like New York and then they went for the second shot somewhere in Massachusetts. It's going to be very difficult to actually enforce all of this. You've seen this at Lollapalooza. So Lollapalooza in Chicago, you're all supposed to show your vaccine card. What that really amounts to when you watch the video is people holding up a paper, a piece of paper and walking through a line with hundreds of people. It's, it's It's like TSA except without any metal detectors, meaning it is completely theater, right? It's all for show. And all of this in order to what? Presumably protect the vaccinated? Like it doesn't make any sort of logical sense. The vaccinated themselves are not at grave risk of hospitalization or death from COVID. The unvaccinated If you wish to lower the curve, the unvaccinated should be hanging out with the vaccinated, not in their own special spaces. So I guess the logic here is that if you're vaccinated, you're one of the special people. If you're unvaccinated, you're one of the unspecial people. And if we punish you for being unvaccinated, then sooner or later you'll get bored with it and you will go and get yourself vaccinated. Well, there's an alternative possibility, which is that you won't, right, which is that you'll be so off-put You'll be so alienated that you just won't get the vaccine. And instead, you'll hang out with the other unvaccinated in restaurants outside of New York City, and you'll infect each other, and you'll actually end up with a higher rate of people passing the virus to one another. Now, the reason I say this is because New York is not the first place to have tried this. Let's start with this. Here's Bill de Blasio actually announcing this kind of dumbassical policy.
1: The key to NYC pass will be a first-in-the-nation approach. It will require vaccination for workers and customers in indoor dining, in indoor fitness facilities, indoor entertainment facilities. This is going to be a requirement. The only way to patronize these establishments indoors will be if you're vaccinated, at least
0: one dose. All right, now, here is the thing. A couple problems with this. First, the logical, which we've mentioned. Then there's the intersectional problem with this. So, for example, what exactly is gonna happen in New York City? when black people can't go to, like, any of the places. Because right now, Bill de Blasio is arguing that unless you have a COVID vaccine or proof of a COVID vaccine, then you can't go to an indoor eatery, a gym, or an entertainment center. De Blasio says the city is going to start finding businesses. First of all, this should not be a governmental thing. If you're a private business and you only want to allow the vaccinated in because you have a bunch of paranoid people in your company or whatever, that's your business. If the city is cramming this down on you, they better have pretty good public health reason They really don't. de Blasio says the city is going to start finding and inspecting businesses for compliance in mid-September. All affected customers and workers can either provide their vaccination cards or upload their proof of vaccination to the Excelsior Pass application. And obviously, if New York City knows one thing, it is how to do public sort of service. They're really, really good at handling complex ID-based transactions, sort of like how it took them multiple weeks to figure out who the actual new mayor of New York is is going to be after screwing up the original vote totals. They're going to be great. It, they're, there are going to be no bugs. There's going to be no no hiccups. in the. It's going to be just absolutely smooth. This, by the way, came a day after de Blasio mandated vaccinations for all of the city's new hires, requiring them to provide proof of vaccination by their first day of work without the option to get tested regularly. Instead, he issued similar mandates for city employees and healthcare workers in July, according to CNBC. According to de Blasio, about 11,000 people have picked up 100 bucks in order to get their vaccinations so far uh, that started on July 30th and uh, and so you know basically we now have a two tier system in new york you are a citizen if you are vaccinated you're an uncitizen if not well there's going to be a major intersectional problem for bill de blasio here it is lurking in the stats so here are the stats covid vaccine data by racial group in new york city he has himself a bit of a problem with the intersectional coalition the percent of Asians who are fully vaccinated in New York City. And remember, you need to be fully vaccinated. One vaccine is enough. Fully vaccinated in order to get the vaccine passport. The percentage of Asians who are fully vaccinated in New York City, 71%. The, number, the percentage of Native Americans and Alaskan Natives who have been vaccinated fully, 67%. The percentage of white people who have been fully vaccinated is 45%. And the percentage of black people in New York City who have been fully vaccinated is 31%. Seven out of every 10 Black people in New York City has not been fully vaccinated. So how do you think this is going to play out for Bill de Blasio and his Democrats? How do you think this is going to play out when restaurants are overtly turning away a disproportionate number of Black people? Now, I have been told by Ibram Kendi and Robin DeAngelo that any inequality in society is proof of systemic inequity. And so, obviously, Bill de Blasio is a racist. I mean, just as testing, just as SAT testing is racist, just as we have learned, that picking up people for crimes is racist. Even if they committed the crime, if a disproportionate number of those people are black, that's racist. A disproportionate number of people are now not going to be able to go to the New York City bodega because they're not vaccinated and those people will happen to be black disproportionately. And it's going to be fun to watch as New York eats itself in the battle between the the hyperactive and super afraid upper crust white liberals in New York and the black population, which is overwhelmingly not vaxxed in New York, it's going to be fun to watch the Robin DiAngelo half of the white liberal population go to war with itself. Am I racist? I don't know if I'm racist. I mean, I really want people to get vaccinated. Right. But the blacks aren't getting vaccinated. What do we do? I don't know. Oh, I, I hate me. I Watch the, the sort of bizarre schizophrenia of the New York upper crust left is going to come out in a rabid, rabid way. Then, of course, they'll just blame Trump. Then they'll just say it's the American system. The real reason Black Americans aren't getting vaccinated is because America, writ large, is racist. That's always the solution. Now, let's go to the question of whether these vaccine passports actually work. So here's the thing. We have some evidence that the answer is not so much. Okay, back in January, Israel launched a COVID immunity passport. According to CNBC, this January of this year, Israel has been lauded for deploying what is currently the fastest COVID-19 vaccination campaign in the world. Less than a month after receiving its first shipments of the, of the Pfizer BioNTech jab, the country of 9 million has vaccinated about 20% of its population. More than 72% of people over the age of 60 had already gotten their first dose. Essentially, they are now what, releasing what they called this began back in January, what was called the green booklet. The green booklet would be given to people who have received two doses of the vaccine. The booklet would offer vaccinated individuals significant freedom from COVID-19 safety restrictions. People holding it would no longer have to go into isolation after coming in contact with an infected person or go into isolation after traveling internationally. They would no longer have to be tested before entering certain touristy areas known as Green Islands. They would still have to be wearing a mask in public and maintaining social distancing, right? This is the vaccinated, okay? So they were still pretty strict in Israel for the vaccinated since January. So what has the result of all of that been? Quote, Times of Israel. Today, daily COVID cases surge past 3,800 ministers to mull in new restrictions. The high-level coronavirus cabinet was set to convene Tuesday to approve new restrictions as the daily COVID-19 caseload surpassed 3,000 for the first time since March. According to the health ministry, 3,800 new cases were diagnosed on Monday, with 3.78% of tests returning positive. The number of serious cases stood at 221, of whom 46 were on ventilators. So... The so-called Green Pass, by the way, was reinstated by the government on Thursday with a, with entry to events of more than 100 people, both indoors and outdoors, allowed only to those who are vaccinated, recovered, or who present a negative COVID test. Children under the age of 12 were largely exempt from the system. So they kind of went in with the Green Passport, then they went out with the Green Passport. And, and here's the thing, it, it really has done very little. Okay, the Green Passports are not really accomplishing what they seek to accomplish. In fact, I've not seen these vaccine passports anywhere accomplish what they seek to accomplish in terms of either forcing all of the unvaccinated to get vaccinated, or in terms of lowering the rate of infection from COVID-19. And in fact, things are going very poorly in France. So France also has a vaccine passport system, and it's resulting in mass protests across France. There's an entire piece in the New York Times today from a person named Pauline Bach, who's a French journalist. She says, at a time of the year when the French are traditionally divided, Between those who go on holiday in July and those who go in August, the past few weeks have seen hundreds of thousands of people coming together with a single rallying cry, Liberté. These protesters are united against France's new system of vaccine passes, which was announced with much fanfare by the government on July 12th and is gradually coming into effect. The measures intended to lift the vaccination rate as the Delta variant courses around the country make proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test mandatory to get into cultural venues, bars, and restaurants. By September, all care workers will need such a pass to retain their job, and workers on a permanent contract may be suspended without pay until they can provide one. Though to some extent it's successful in its primary aim, In the weeks since this was announced, 6.5 million people have been vaccinated, taking the level to 47 percent, about the same proportion as in the U.S. The move, however, has rebounded badly against the government. Many people, unhappy at the act of coercion, are taking to the streets in a collective display of defiance, potentially coalescing into a substantial protest movement that could mar President Emmanuel Macron's re-election efforts next year. And France's experience is a cautionary tale. So you have tons and tons and tons of people who have been out protesting against this. Not because tons of French people are vax deniers. Only about 16% of French residents say they intend not to be vaccinated. And by the time that Macron announced the rollout of vaccine passes, over half of the French population had gotten at least one dose. Their concerns instead were about freedom and rights and exactly how this was going to take place. According, again, to this columnist in the New York Times, protesters fear that the passes will allow for wide-ranging state surveillance potentially targeting the most vulnerable, and even suppressing dissent. There's no guarantee, they warn, that the system will be retired once the va- once the virus is defeated. Ironically, the only trade exempt from mandatory vaccination, the cops, will be the ones to make sure everyone else obeys. The policy is ripe for authoritarian misuse. Again, this is not coming from the American right wing. This is coming from the French. Okay, so, so the, the idea of a vaccine passport in New York City, they tried it in Israel. It's been pretty unsuccessful. They tried it in France. It's been... So far, not supremely successful and a driver of mass unrest. And yet, people keep rushing forward with all of this. Again, based on what? Based on what? Like, I'm I'm just wondering, why is this panic happening right now? If you look at New York City, the number of COVID deaths in New York City right now, day on day, average five. In New York City, five. Again, New York City population right now is approximately 8.4 million. There are a day-on-day average of five deaths per day in New York City. Five out of 8.5 million. And they're talking about vaccine passports for everyone. By the way, if you look at the number of cases, the number of cases has been rising. Their seven-day average is about 1,200 cases. Okay, That's a somewhat big number. When they were at their sort of highest numbers back in January, they were getting something like 6,000, sometimes 7,000 cases a day. Right now, they're at like 1,200 cases a day. So they're like one-fifth of that. But again... The vaccines are available to everyone. So leave everybody alone. But they're not going to leave everybody alone. In fact, it's going to get even worse. The National Institute of Health Director Francis Collins, again, I don't know where they get these folks, but they're just, they're terrible at this. NIH Director Francis Collins is now telling parents that they should wear masks in their own homes to protect their kids from COVID. Despite the fact that there is no evidence at this point of increased deadliness from the Delta variant in kids. According, by the way, to people who work for the Biden administration. Collins is saying stuff like this. It's clear that the variant is capable of causing serious injury in children. You've heard stories coming out of Louisiana pediatric ICUs where there are kids as young as a few months old who are sick from this. That's rare, but... Anyone that tried to tell you you don't have to worry about it if you're a young, healthy person, there's a lot of counterexamples all around. No, that's anecdotal. You can't do that. Okay, if if your basic pitch is you should worry about your kids because here's some anecdotal data of kids getting super, super ill from COVID. No stats, just anecdotal data. You're arguing in the exact same preserve as people who are like, I'm not giving my kid a vaccine because I heard about this one kid who had an adverse effect from the vaccine. Anecdotal data means zero. It means nothing zero things does it mean in terms of your personal risk assessment? Because there are anecdotes of lots of bad stuff happening on earth all the time. This is why, again, it sounds like this is very much about control. Here's Francis Collins pushing this thing yesterday.
1: You have heard those stories coming out of Louisiana pediatric ICUs where there are kids as young as a few months old who are sick from this. That is rare. Certainly younger people are less likely to fall ill. But anybody who tries to tell you, ah, you don't have to worry about it if you're a young, healthy person. There's many counterexamples all around us now. So, yeah, you do need to think about it. And that's the reason why the recommendations are uh, for kids under 12. Uh, that they avoid being in places where they might get infected, which means recommendations
0: of mask wearing in schools, and that at home, uh, parents of unvaccinated kids... At home? At home? I'm... No. Are you insane? What do you mean parents of unvaccinated kids? Let's just be straight about this. He means every parent. You cannot legally give a vaccine to a child under 12 in the United States. He means every single parent in the United States should be wearing a mask in their home with their kids. Are you out of your damned mind? The answer is yes. They're out of their damn minds. They're out of their damned minds. And here's the thing. Once again, human beings are not capable of controlling everything that happens. We have human beings an unbelievable ability to adapt. We created one of the great scientific creations of all time in this vaccine. It's unbelievable. It's it's miraculous. It's unbelievable, unbelievably miraculous. But we can't control everything because we can't control everything. People on the left think we can, and so they're just going to keep doubling down. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you don't really want to go to the auto parts store. I know, you woke up this morning, you're thinking, I'd love to go to the auto parts store. Wrong. No one thinks that way. Instead, why not skip the auto parts store where you'll wait in line, answer a bunch of questions, and then the person behind the counter will be like, yeah, dude, I have to order it online. Wait three weeks, I'll upcharge. Or just use the interwebs. Rock Auto Com. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know that we sent you. Again, rockauto.com, family business, American business, go to rockauto.com, shop for the auto and body parts you need from hundreds of manufacturers, get the best possible price, write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know that we sent you. Okay, so again, the reason that I point out that maybe human beings aren't in control of this is because human beings obviously are not in control of this. Bangladesh is seeing a massive spike right now. According to the New York Times. With Bangladesh under a nationwide lockdown to fight a third wave of COVID, hospitals in the capital, Dhaka, are reaching capacity. Demand for oxygen is exceeding supply. Obviously, Governor Ron DeSantis is at fault here. On Sunday, the government granted an exemption allowing the country's critical, ready-made garments industry to keep operating, prompting fears among experts the health crisis could worsen. But it's not just Bangladesh. It's also back in China, where they lied. By the way, China says that this entire time they've lost like 5,000 people. They're just unbelievable liars, just unbelievable liars. Right now, Wuhan is planning to test all 11 million residents for COVID. Now I was told by the health experts, China just did an amazing job locking this stuff down. Nope. The city had not recorded any local cases since May of last year after a harsh two and a half month lockdown helped eradicate the virus there, but city officials say they had detected three symptomatic local cases in the previous 24 hours, five asymptomatic cases. They're testing all 11 million people. I don't think that they detected three cases and they're testing 11 million people. I think they have a lot of cases. Japan is starting to see a surge as well. According to the New York Times, as Japan strains to contain its galloping coronavirus outbreak and to keep an Olympic bubble from bursting in the final days of the Games, the government is now trying a new tactic, public shaming. On Monday, Japan's health ministry released the names of three people who broke COVID-19 rules after returning from overseas. Apparently, this was two Japanese nationals in their 20s who just came back from South Korea, a third who came from Hawaii, Apparently, they had acted to avoid contact with the authorities. They're trying to shame the hell out of people because infections over there are rising. On Tuesday, officials said they had recorded more than 8,300 daily cases nationwide. Okay, the, the, It's starting to uh, come down the other side of the curve, it looks like, in Japan a little bit. But here's the bottom line. This sort of stuff is happening nearly everywhere. And Ron DeSantis came out in Florida because, of course, Ron DeSantis is always the, the bad guy in all of this, according to the left. He came out. And he said, I don't think we've reached the peak yet, but he said hospitals are not overwhelmed yet. They're open for non-COVID business, which, by the way, is still true. He said, we're not shutting down. We're going to have schools open. We're protecting every Floridian's job in this state. These interventions have failed time and again in this pandemic. They have not stopped the spread. Correct. And then he said that, um, you know, when when people, when reporters were like, what about kids with COVID-19? He said the reporter was blaming kids for not wearing masks and getting sick and called the question deplorable, which it is. And then he said, listen, what I did is I focused on protecting the seniors and I accomplished it. He's correct about all of that. The media, however, have decided that Ron DeSantis is the worst. So it is now worthwhile to explore why there is a surge in Florida. Okay, here's the thing. The answer is really, really obvious. There's a surge in Florida right now because it's really hot outside. It's hot. And it's simultaneously rainy. Okay, I'm a new immigrant to Florida. And let me just tell you, Florida is wonderful. In the summer, it gets unbelievably hot, unbelievably humid, and it rains a lot in the afternoon. And what this means is that people go inside. Where do you think COVID is transmitted? It is transmitted inside. when there's lots of aerosolized spit blowing all over the place from air conditioning and heating. This is not a shock. Okay, here, for example, is a chart, cases by region in the United States. Look at this chart, cases by region. What you see, first of all, is Louisiana is really spiking. Why? I wonder, well, could it be because Louisiana is in the south and it's really damned hot outside in Louisiana right now? And so people are staying inside. Okay, so this chart from the New York Times cuts the United States into four regions, west, midwest, south, and northeast. You will notice that this virus is seasonal depending on the weather. So right now, the south leads the way in terms of cases count, then the west, because it's really hot in the south and in the west. Then the Midwest, where it's cooler. And then finally, the Northeast, where it is coolest. Now, let's reverse back to, say, you know, like um, January, right? When things were were really bad. If you look at January, what you will see is that the weather dictates exactly how this goes, right? In the the middle of January, in the middle of the spike, what you see is that the West and the South, where there were fewer people who had already, you know, had the virus, generally speaking, than in the Northeast, what you see is that Northeast spikes. And now the Northeast is close to the top of the pack, along with the West and the South. And you'll see that if you go back even further than that, if you go back to like November, December, when the spike first started, the Midwest takes over. Why did the Midwest take over in like December and November? Why? Could it be because it gets really cold outside? And so a lot of people go to the inside. Oh, so maybe it doesn't have to do with policy. It has to do with the weather. Oh, I mean, we knew this last year, by the way, we knew this. So that, that, that is not a shock at all, at all. All right, so is all the all of this the predicate to government passports and nearly everything, right? Because again, the case in favor of government passports for vaccines at this point is extremely weak. Statistically, it's extremely weak. On a, on a logical level, it's really weak. There, there's no real sort of end goal here that justifies the notion that if you're unvaccinated, now we're just going to bar you from every business by the government. I mean, that's kind of crazy and it's going to result in a massive anti-government backlash. OK, well, you can see that this, again, is, is part and parcel of a broader sort of authoritarian move that, that you can see in terms of ideology. There's a, a good piece today from Kristen Tate over at The Hill called Coming Soon, America's Own Social Credit System. And here's what she says. She says the new domestic war on terror kicked off by the riot on January 6th has prompted several web giants to unveil predecessors to what effectively could become a soft social credit system by the end of this decade. Relying on an indirect hand from D.C., our social betters in corporate America will attempt to force the most profound changes our society has seen during the Internet era. China's social credit system is a combination of government and business surveillance that gives citizens a score that can restrict the ability of individuals to take actions, such as purchasing plane tickets, acquiring property, or taking loans because of behaviors. Given the position of several major American companies, a similar system may be coming here sooner than you think. Here's the thing. If we can start basically telling people whether they are allowed to engage in business based on whether they decide to get a vaccine or not as an individual adult human being, you can quickly see that the left, which has declared anything they don't like in actual danger, right? This is part of the broader sort of microaggression ideology pushed by the left. It is not a far leap from we need vaccine passports because we have to protect ourselves against the public health menace of the unvaccinated to we need social credit passports because we need to protect ourselves against the menace of people who disagree with us. If you think that's a long jump, all you have to do is look at college campuses where they've already started implementing this sort of language all the time on the left. Last week, says, says this columnist for The Hill, PayPal announced a partnership with the left-wing Southern Poverty Law Center to investigate the role of white supremacists and propagators of anti-government rhetoric, subjective labels that potentially could impact a large number of groups or people using their service. Facebook is taking similar measures, recently introducing messages that ask users to snitch on their potentially extremist friends, which considering the platform's bias, seems mainly to target the political right. At the same time, Facebook and Microsoft are working with several other web giants and the UN on a database to block potential extremist content. The actions of these major companies may seem logical in an internet riddled with scams and crime. No one's going to defend far-right militias or white supremacist groups using these platforms, but the same issue with government censorship exists with corporate censorship. If there is a line, who draws it? And you've seen that this is sort of the left's take more generally on who ought to be part of the American body politic, and who ought not to be. This is why they're making such a big deal out of January 6th, six months after it happened, and even though the people who are responsible have been arrested and will end up going to jail. now The the latest sort of iteration of this particular argument uh, is an argument over two D.C. police officers who were present at the January 6th riot. And have now died by suicide, according to the Metropolitan Police Department. These are the third and fourth officers to commit suicide. MPD spokesperson Kristen Metzger told CNN on Monday, Officer Gunther Hashida, an 18-year veteran on the force, was found dead at his residence on Thursday, which, of course, is tragic and terrible. Hashida was assigned to the emergency response team within the Special Operations Division, was dispatched to the Capitol on January 6th. Only hours later, the MPD confirmed another suicide had taken place. That, of course, didn't happen the same day. It had happened in mid-July. We don't have any information as to whether these officers committed suicide because of January 6th or whether there's a connection to January 6th. Realistically speaking, unfortunately, police officers are disproportionately likely to commit suicide. About 176 police officers died by suicide in 2020 alone. We don't know the departmental breakdown on those numbers. You would assume basically the bigger the police department, the more police officers probably committed suicide. So you would assume more police officers commit suicide in, just on an absolute raw number level in New York, L.A., Chicago, D.C., then elsewhere, but this is being used as a as an excuse to basically say that all Republicans are now responsible for police officers committing suicide. Chris Cuomo said just that. He said Republicans are to blame for these suicides. Does he have information we don't? Who knows?
1: May okay, he rest in peace. We need to see his life and death for what it is. Know his name, Hashida. Same for Capitol Officer Howard Liebengood and D.C. Metro Officer Jeffrey Smith. Why? All three died by suicide after the January 6th attack. Hashida's death last week was announced today. They had 45 years of experience among them. Yet, the same people who claimed Blue Lives Matter mocked, laughed, disparaged the wounds inflicted on these men. Wounds of that day are going to go far beyond the 140 officers beaten with flagpoles, stabbed with metal fence stakes, smashed over the head with fire extinguishers and more. The survivors told
0: you the extent themselves last week. OK, all of this is all of this, you know, would would count if we were talking about the police officer who testified last week. Again, we don't even know why these police officers committed suicide. There are a wide variety of reasons, unfortunately, why people become suicidal. It, unless there's information that he has that we don't, we don't know that this actually was connected to January 6th in any way, which is sort of important to point out. Also, I've noticed that there have been no reports on any of the suicides that have taken place this year in other police departments. Apparently, there have been 18 suicides overall in the United States by police officers. Were those connected to Black Lives Matter last year? Who the hell knows, right? We don't know in the same way that he doesn't know that this was connected to January 6th per se. These a lot of police officers were put in pretty ugly situations last year. But the goal here is to blame all Republicans for this. In fact, the former D.C. police deputy chief blamed Republicans for these police suicides as well.
1: When you hear our elected officials, people that you should really look up to, start to try to spin a story of something as serious as what took place on January 6th and trying to make it into something that never happened, or it was just like a regular tourist event. We all know that's not true. The same people saying that were barricading the doors and hiding in the basement of the visitor center at that uh, particular point in time. But to hear them say that
0: is not only disrespectful, it does create additional trauma. This has become the latest talking point. And if you think, again, that the sort of social credit system that's being created now, the power given to government now, to basically allow you to attend businesses or not attend businesses based on the quote unquote danger that you pose to others, in defiance of the data, by the way, if that can't be extended to ideology, I mean, I, I, I have doubts. I have doubts that the left will not attempt to do something like that, and I find that highly disquieting. Okay, in just a second, we're going to be getting to Letitia James. The attorney general of the state of New York has now released a devastating report on Andrew Cuomo's unfortunate penchant, not for killing the elderly, right? That doesn't matter anymore. The DOJ, the Biden DOJ decided it was not worth investigating Andrew Cuomo killing all the old people in New York and then covering it up. It was much worthier of investigation that the man loves to grab ass, apparently. Um, and, uh, yes, that's really bad. You know, it's worse killing a bunch of old people and lying about it, but it is indeed bad that the New York governor uh, has a penchant for putting both his hands in inappropriate places, apparently. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, you know, as you get older, you can get tired. Okay, let's be real. you got a lot going on in your life, career, family, staying in shape. Life can get stressful. You start to slow down. You're not present when you want to be. To perform at your best physically and mentally, you can't let age beat you. This is where M-Drive can help. M-Drive is the daily supplement for driven men who don't want to slow down who refuse to be tired every day, who want to be the best at what they do. It's packed with clinically tested ingredients that support healthy testosterone levels while helping you lose weight and stay lean. Added vitamins and nutrients reduce stress, boost your drive so you can perform at your best. You can find M Drive today at Walgreens and other retailers or visit MDrive4Men.com. Get 20% off your first order with promo code BEN. They've got free shipping, a 60 day money back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. M Drive, it is not for everyone, it's for the driven. MDrive4Men.com, promo code BEN. Again, that's MDrive4Men.com promo code Ben. The reality is that, yeah, unfortunately, as you get older, you may lose that energy level. You need to get that energy level up. And the solution could be mdriveformen.com for you. Get 20% off your first order with promo code Ben, free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Go check them out right now. All righty, in just one second, we're going to get to New York Attorney General Letitia James going after New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, A kind of, sort of. First, You may have noticed that this authoritarian moment is upon us. I have an entire book called The Authoritarian Moment. It talks about the twisting of science, the perversion of our scientific institutions. You may have noticed that your corporate overlords are looking down the the back of your neck. They're breathing down the back of your neck. They're trying to control what you say, what you think. You've noticed this at universities, from the media. The authoritarian moment describes how all of these institutions of power have been hijacked and renormalized by a militant and aggressive left. And more importantly, it explains how you can fight back. It is a must-read, if I do say so myself. I'm biased. Go check it out, The Authoritarian Moment. It is now available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. Go get your copy right now. Leave a five-star review. Let others know this book is worth their time. Also, if you would love to know what it's like to be in the presence of the always-trending Candace Owens, you're in luck. You can now enter to win a free trip to meet her and be part of her live studio audience. If you sign up now as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, you'll get 25% off your new membership and be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip for two to the Daily Wire studios and see Candace live. Not only will you be meeting Candace, you'll be getting an inside look at her studio and front row seats to watch her destroy the left's insidious ideology on her talk show, Candace. It's a good time on Candace's set. This isn't an opportunity I would pass up, were I you. So if you're in the mood for a vacation with a side of leftist takedowns, go enter now to win two VIP tickets to Candace at dailywire.com slash subscribe using code VIP for 25% off. Also, also we have so much to offer you today. It may seem like a dream, a utopian dream, but you could be lounging with us, your favorite hosts backstage. It's now within your reach. We are giving away a free trip for two to come hang out with the Daily Wire host backstage here at our Nashville studio, you can meet all of us, tour the studios and offices, get great swag from our swag bag of merch, watch us debate on the show live. So if you're not a member yet, head on over to dailywire.com backstage, enter code backstage at checkout for 25% off your membership, get automatically entered to win what I would call the coolest trip you might ever take. You'll be telling your children grandchildren, great-grandchildren about You're going to carve it on your headstone. That's how great this trip is going to be. Again, head on over to dailywire.com backstage with code BACKSTAGE to get 25% off your membership and a chance to win the ultimate backstage experience. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. Meanwhile, Andrew Cuomo, under fire, not for killing all the elderly people in New York and then covering it up, but because the man apparently cannot keep his hands off other people's asses. Apparently, this is like the big thing over there right now. Now, you'll recall that the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, said in an interview back in March that if the allegations against Andrew Cuomo were confirmed that he should resign, and here was Joe Biden saying just that. If the investigation confirms the claims of the women, should he resign? Yes, I think he probably end up being prosecuted, too. Well, now it has been confirmed that this is precisely what Andrew Cuomo did, according to Attorney General Letitia James, who herself, I will say, has her eye on the gubernatorial seat. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Letitia James wants to run for governor. This is part of the problem with having an AG with her eye on that top seat is like they get you in the crosshairs and it can get real ugly real fast. But it's pretty obvious from I mean, the the report on Andrew Cuomo's penchant for ass grabbery is um, 168 pages long. So that is a lot of buttocks grabbed. That that is a lot of body parts groped. According to the report, the direct contact with intimate body parts, including the touching of executive assistant number one's breast, the grabbing and touching of the butts of various women, including executive assistant number one and state entity employee number one, and the governor's touching of trooper number one's stomach and back unquestionably amounted to sexual harassment. In fact, The law provides that direct contact with an intimate body part constitutes one of the most severe forms of sexual harassment. The governor denies or states he does not recall any of these allegations of physical contact. But we find that the credible evidence establishes that the governor, in fact, touched these complainants in the way they have described. Those incidents amount to conduct that clearly constitutes sexual harassment. These are the findings of Attorney General Letitia James, elected Democrat. Second the governor's numerous comments of a sexually suggestive nature, including discussions about age differences in partners at the same time as the governor asked about finding a girlfriend, Miss Bennett and Trooper No. 1, the criteria for the girlfriend being someone who can handle pain, B. trooper Number 1, and experiences with and views about monogamy, whether an employee had been with an older man, feeling lonely and wanting to be touched, the attractiveness of the employee and comparing her to an ex-girlfriend, wanting to go out with two assistants and calling them mingle mamas, whether an aide would be willing to cheat on her partner, playing strip poker, putting a tattoo on the butt as opposed to the shoulder, and locations of piercings other than the ears, individually and collectively constitute unlawful sexual harassment. This is according to Letitia James again, Democrat. We find these comments, some of which the governor denied, other of which she claimed were merely misrepresented, to be, by any reasonable measure, gender-based, offensive, and harassing. The law provides that comments such as these need not have been overtly sexual or motivated by sexual desire. Okay, first of all, it is important to point out here that sexual harassment law is super duper vague, particularly in states like California and New York. So making a joke at the office can easily be construed as sexual harassment. However, it seems that uh, Andrew Cuomo had the unfortunate penchant for for saying all these sexually suggestive things to aides and randoms that he met like over and over and over again. The law is clear. These types of sexually suggestive comments, if made as a joke or otherwise, particularly when part of a pattern of comments and conduct, as it was with the governor, constitute unlawful sexual harassment. The complainants, not surprisingly, said that these types of suggestive comments made them feel uncomfortable, humiliated, unsettled, taken advantage of, uncomfortable, and creeped out. For the recipients of these inappropriate comments and jokes from the governor, we find the governor, indeed, created a hostile work environment. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, financial experts thought we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts from the Fed, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The U.S. is in the hole by $34 trillion, but we're going to continue to print money and borrow money, which means the prices that you pay every day are going to continue to rise. So we can either bury our heads in the sand, or we could, you know, do the smart thing that you do financially, which is diversify. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get my gold from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you too. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, again, diversification, just a smart fiscal strategy. Go check them out right now. Text Ben to 989898 98 98 to get started. Ah, uh, wait, there's more. Third, we find that under the totality of the circumstances, even the governor's less overtly sexual comments that were nonetheless gender-based also created a hostile work environment. Although the governor and certain of his senior staff sought to downplay what the evidence has revealed as frequent gender-based comments and conduct by the governor as simply old-fashioned or cultural, neither explains nor justifies his behavior nor makes it non-harassing. For example, referring to female staff as honey, sweetheart, and darling, kissing staff members on the forehead and some of the senior staff on the lips, holding them tightly around the waist for pictures and other occasions, allowing senior staff members to sit on his lap at official functions, and lying down with his head on the lap of staff members who are women, we find, based on our interviews with numerous executive chamber employees, did in fact create a hostile work environment for many staff who were women. Okay, yeah, the the last ones I'm going to go with, yeah, that's weird, okay? Like, if you got a guy who's 60 and he says to women honey or sweetheart, I I don't think that that's like the end of the world. I know too many 65-year-old guys who address everyone that way and and also address like pretty much anyone who's of a younger generation that way because they've been used to calling their kids that. That doesn't sound like Andrew Cuomo here. And Andrew Cuomo, I think it's a fairly good bet that when you take your head and put it in the lap of a female employee, that, uh, what? Say, hmm? In the, but, so, yeah. Yeah, that's not good. As a matter of law, Claiming that the gender-based behavior is simply a function of being old-fashioned or culturally more affectionate is not a defense to sexual harassment. One of his employees, named Miss Liss, experienced the work environment saying, for whatever reason, in his office the rules were different. It was just, you should view it as a compliment if the governor finds you aesthetically pleasing enough. So even though it was strange and uncomfortable and technically not permissible in a typical workplace environment, I was in this mindset that it was the twilight zone and the typical rules did not apply. What these witnesses and many others described is not just old-fashioned, affectionate behavior. It was sexual harassment, says the Letitia James report. Apparently, they also found that the executive chamber failed to report and investigate allegations of sexual harassment. This violated their own internal policies, according to the report. Like, people made reports. These were not investigated or followed up upon. So that is a serious problem. Here is the thing, though. So Letitia James says, I don't know about the whole, like, prosecution of this thing. I'm, you know... Not really. Uh, by the way, they also found unlawful retaliation. Right. This report concludes that the executive chamber, meaning Cuomo, engaged in prohibited retaliation against Lindsay Boylan in response to the allegation she made on December 13th, 2020, that the governor had sexually harassed her. Unlawful retaliation occurs when the employer takes an adverse action against an employee or former employee because that person made a good faith complaint, formal or informal, of unlawful discrimination or harassment. We find this occurred with respect to Lindsay Boylan. As detailed above, the incidents Boylan described in her medium article and her testimony have been admitted and corroborated as well. So he engaged in a cover up, and the original activity. He engaged in an unwillingness to even investigate. So the governor's office did not investigate. However, according to Letitia James, they are uh, they they have no real feelings on whether a prosecution should take place, which uh, is is real cop out here by Letitia James. Obviously, like the fact that she is is not pushing forward with any sort of criminal prosecution is fairly incredible, but that is where things stand. So now the question is, does he live this down? Does he live this down? And the answer is probably, because if there's one thing that we have learned at this point, it's if you don't leave, no one can make you. First, I want you to know
1: directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. I am 63 years old. I've lived my entire adult life in public view. That is just not who I am.
0: And that's not who I have ever been. So are Democrats in the state legislature actually going to throw him overboard? Are they actually going to toss him? I have serious doubts. I don't think so. I think he's going to stick around and then he's going to hope that people forget about this because they did the first time. These allegations have been out there for a very long time. Everybody has known that Andrew Cuomo engages in this sort of behavior for years on end. Apparently, if you just wait long enough, it goes away. There is another complaint
1: I want to address from a woman in my office who said that I groped her in my home office. Let me be clear. That never happened. She wants anonymity, and I respect that. So I am limited but what I can say but her lawyer has suggested that she will file a legal claim for damages. That will be decided in a court of law. Trial by newspaper or biased reviews are not the way to find the facts in this matter.
0: And, and I will say, I'm, I'm astonished. Uh, I, I continue to be astonished that CNN maintains ties with Chris Cuomo. Okay, there is a there is a report appendix It includes Charlotte Bennett's text about her interactions with Andrew Cuomo and an email from Chris Cuomo appearing to draft a statement on behalf of his brother. So apparently Chris helped his brother draft a statement responding to the allegations. Quote, questions have been raised about some of my past interactions with people in the office. I spent most of my time at work and colleagues are often personal friends. I never intended to offend anyone or cause any harm. Sometimes I'm playful and make jokes. You've seen me do it at briefings hundreds of times. My only desire is to add some levity and banter to what is a very serious business. I now understand my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal, and some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I'm sorry and feel deeply embarrassed about that. Separately, my office has heard anecdotally some people have reached out to Ms. Bennett to express displeasure about her coming forward. My message to anyone doing this is you have misjudged what matters to me and my administration. You should stop now, period. This is a statement apparently drafted by Chris Cuomo on behalf of his brother, who at the exact time was um, the the was covering his brother on COVID, you'll recall, in the middle of this, right? It's, it's pretty amazing stuff. So CNN has like zero credibility at this point, frankly, when it comes to covering these sorts of issues. It is a shame for the CNN reporters who don't suck. Uh, but the fact that Chris Cuomo gets to go out there and pretend to be a moral better for everybody uh, continues to be to say the very least. So that that is where things stand. I think that he probably outlives this because that is the rule in American politics these days. It is that you basically, it's not that you live, uh, that you die as a hero or live long enough to become the villain. It's that you die as a hero, live long enough to become the villain or live even longer and then become the hero again, which I think will eventually happen with Andrew Cuomo. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Cuomo pushes statewide lockdowns as a result of this. It's wag the COVID mask. I would not be surprised at all if New York kicks into high gear with regard to COVID, just so we can go back to Andrew Cuomo giving briefings about how necessary he is. That would not be a giant surprise in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so before we part today, I have a quick Olympic update. The Olympic update is that uh, Gwen Berry, you remember her, she was the hammer thrower who turned away from the U.S. flag. Sadly, she has failed to medal at the Olympics, which only demonstrates once and for all that hammers are racist. According to the New York Post, when Barry failed to medal during the Women's Hammer Throw Finals on Tuesday, Barry finished in 11th place out of 12 competitors, registering a distance of 71.35 meters. So she did not win. That, that is sad. She said that if she had won, she would have represented the oppressed people had she won a medal in Tokyo, saying, that's been my message for the last three years. Well, she has been denied that possibility, and America weeps for her. It is, it is the saddest story of the day, obviously. Also worth noting, I, I'm just going to have to play you this clip because this clip is really astonishing and, and it, I feel that it deserves some level of independent comment. So all of the racial conversations that we have been having in the United States over the past year or so, at the head of those racial conversations is a woman named Robin D'Angelo. You'll recall her as the author of White Fragility. I did an entire like 45-minute breakdown of that awful, awful book, one of the worst books ever written on YouTube. You can go find it. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Okay, so Robin D'Angelo. I think that she speaks for so many on the left when she talks about her embarrassment at her own race. This is this is how bad things have gotten in the United States if people are listening to Robin D'Angelo for racial advice. And this just deserves comments. So here is Robin D'Angelo yesterday talking about her discovery of her own white privilege.
1: Talk to me about when you first realized you were white huh. and, and whiteness. Yeah, talk to me about that.
0: Um I I it was a very abstract sense. I, I honestly believe I was about um, 34 years old. I mm-hmm. was college educated. I was a parent. Um, and someone handed me Peggy McIntosh's article. Yeah, And mm-hmm. I read through that list and I had an out-of-body experience. I could tell mm-hmm. you where it was sitting. I, 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 I'm not ever going to forget that moment where all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, I'm white. Yep. <laughs>
1: And I felt so loudly white that I remember being
0: hesitant to go outside. I didn't want to go outside because everybody could see that I was white. Pagan cult. Pagan cult. Wow, my skin color makes me bad and I was hesitant to walk outside. And the, the sort of ritual, performative nature of this interview that she's doing with a black interviewer is really amazing. But I guess this is what we have become, a society of ritual performances, It's a society of religious ritual performances in which we are asked to pay fealty to our public health authorities and to our racial authorities to come into conflict. We've got a bit of a problem as they're about to in New York City, but put that aside, man, there is a sickness in the head of the United States public at this point, uh, and uh, it may be fatal. All we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of The Ben Shapiro Show. Coming up soon is The Matt Wall Show. It airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Andrew Claven Show, the Michael Moles Show, and the Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer Bradford Carrington. Post producer Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Sayevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021
1: John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, New York's attorney general finds that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, New York City issues a citywide proof-of-vaccination mandate, and whistleblowers expose more troubling developments at the border. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.
0: We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free...